It's the final hour of the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Brought to you by Chris Nickel Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. We want you to get involved right now on the Neuropathy Clinic of Oklahoma text line at 918-262-5072. Or on the phone line at 918-879-1170. We would actually love for you to do that. No question about that. Uh, we I'd love to have in texts and calls and things like that from people just getting that interaction. I want to remind you, tomorrow we're going to be talking to one of the bull riders who's going to be in town for PBR. They have their big jam tomorrow, this weekend. We'll talk to one of those guys. Plus, we're going to be talking also tomorrow to Ryan Aber, our OU Insider, so we'll be able to look back at Oklahoma, West Virginia. Sooners, you know, kind of the opposite of Stillwater. They're they're just catch, catching fire over there. Yeah. And Porter Mosier, who's a ball of energy himself, just never seemed to waver, even last year when it wasn't as good as he wanted and so mm-hmm. forth. But, man, they have put it all together, and they're playing – I say all together. They're playing really good basketball right now. One of the most things about fun things about watching them – they're crazy athletic, which yes. is cool, but they're also, I mean, they're, they're some, they're disciplined, but their hands are really quick. They're long, which, you know, obviously you hear that all the time, but it, man, it really helps. And then I don't know, there's just something about them. There's a, there's this inner confidence. You can almost see when you watch them play and they look like they're having a, you know, again, here may be the biggest difference to me when I watch Oklahoma and Oklahoma state at this point. And this is just me. I might be wrong. You can tell me I am at 918-262-5072. One team seems to be having a lot of fun. The other team seems to be having no fun. Yeah, I think OU is playing with a lot of swagger and confidence. They have multiple guys that can create. When you think about Javion McCollum and the splash mm-hmm. that he's made. But even I look at Milo Suzanne, who I remember was on draft boards even last year. Like I saw in like the second round because he was a potential guy. Well, he's grown a lot, and Otega Owe has also made a, an even bigger leap. All those guys can really create for themselves, and that's the thing is Moser, I think, has his roster now, whereas last year when things were struggling, that, that team was just not athletic at all last season. I mean, that, they just got out-athleted a lot of, a lot times, of times, where, again, when, you, when we talk about one of OSU's strengths was you know getting in a track meet, that's what helped them dominate OU so much last season was getting in that track meet against them. Well, guess what? Now Porter Mosier has some guys that can duel that pretty well. Uh, so I, I think that that's the thing is he finally has his guys. They can create for themselves, mm-hmm. and they're playing with a lot of swagger and confidence right now. I know it can be sim- – it seems like oversimplification because when you're winning, it is fun. And so sure. you do look like you're having fun. But even in tight moments – you know, when you see them play tight games at Oklahoma, they look like they really want to chew their way out of the huddle and get back on the court during a timeout. It doesn't look like a, there's not a look of dread as they go back out. And I'm not yeah. saying that's the case in Stillwater every time. But I just see I see teams that, to me, are in kind of a different place. Had another text here at 918-262-5072. Uh, this one says, Jenny Carlson, uh, of course, from the selloutcrowd.com, uh, had a nice piece that basically Oklahoma State needs to wait one more year, mostly because of Boynton's contract. It's not worth the $8 million buyout uh, over the six or, or, or the $6.5 million buyout at the end of the year to go to mm-hmm. go knock them out now. So, you know, I, I talk about Chad Weiberg. I wouldn't I would not expect a midseason move. I certainly would not. That is a lot of money yeah. to swallow, especially when you're trying to raise money for an athletic village. Mm-hmm. That when you made the announcement, you said, Hey, look, we don't have the money for any of this yet, but right. we're working toward it. Right. Basically uh, it was like whoever gets it first, right? Yeah, you know, right, right. <laughs> and that, and that's cool. I, I got no problem with that. But if you're trying to do that, then going out and taking eight million to buy a guy out, that's harder. 
I, unless yeah. somebody's just going to come up and say, well, look, you can, hear, you can keep my money for building X, but here, I'm going to help you with the 8 mil to do to do that. Yeah, that's when you need the SMU guys. Well, it's only two hundred billion. I'm not gonna lose sleep. Or two hundred million, whatever it was. Insane. I'm not gonna lose sleep. You're like, oh well, for the love of God, you live in a different world <laughs> than we do, don't you? Seven fifty nine on the Blitz eleven seventy. Uh, so that's an interesting point. I'll have to read Jenny. And and by the way, speaking of Jenny and sellout crowd, you know, the sportscaster of the year in Oklahoma was Jeremy Poplin and then it was Garen Emig who yep. was chosen as the writer. And I think both of those are so richly deserved. I'm, I mentioned this about Jeremy. You have no idea the work he does. Mm-hmm. You have no, I, I mean, you do, right. I get it. Cause you understand, you know, it, there are nights and weekends up here when the boss, and that's Jeremy is the guy sitting in there behind the, you know, on the board running X game, whatever it is, because somebody's sick or somebody didn't show up or one of those kinds of things. He's got a family, he's got a wife and kid, you know, and, and a young one, Lennox, who's a delightful young lady. He's got things to do at home, but that that guy puts himself out here every day. Yeah, he's it's not the easiest job, uh, and you know he's got a lot to do. The number of behind the scenes meetings will drive you crazy. Which I mean, I was an assistant PD for a while. I did it for about a year and said no, 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 no. I'm not my cup of tea doing that stuff. And he handles all of that. He writes the promos. He gets the stuff produced. You'd have no idea what all he does. So you think yeah. that in the afternoon when Jeremy goes on, that's all he does? Plus, remember the number of soccer games he does for Tulsa during a year, and maybe others too. And on the road with us, broadcasting football is our sideline guy. And, you know, travel for football is fun, sure, but it's still travel. You know, and you've got a, you've got a, a family at home, and you have things you need to work out. So as much fun as that is, it's still work. All that he's doing, all those things. He's he's dealing with rights. He's do, I mean, you name it, he's doing all that. It's so richly deserved. Now, he was honored for his on-the-air work, which is also really fun. Uh, and I'm so thrilled for him because it could not be more deserved. For sure. Um, I th- I think that, you know, it's a really good point to bring up about all the work he does. And oh, consider- God, yeah. Well, and considering, too, you know, I've helped out produce mm-hmm. the TU basketball yeah, right. games and everything. And now, now there's someone else in that position. Well, you know, any time that like he can't make it, Pop would sometimes tell me like, "Hey, I, I can I can take this one tonight if you need." Or then, I, and it's just thinking about all the work that he does, and still sometimes he'll be like willing to say like, yeah. you know, "Hey, I, I can take this part." You know, he's always trying to help out as a yeah. team player, even despite all the responsibilities he's had. Yeah. So he, he, it just kind of shows the kind of person he is. It is, and I'm I'm glad for all those reasons, and I'm happy for Garen too. You know, when Garen got let yeah. go at the Tulsa World, as others did, Kelly Hines and others during that time you weren't sure what was going to happen because, mm. quite honestly, newspapers have taken hits. And yeah. part of the reasons they took hits is they refused to come into the 20th century back, you know, <laughs> five years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when I first started doing those, I talked about they're doing those videos where I do behind-the-scenes video things, which now everybody in the world does. And, look, I'm not saying I'm a trendsetter. I'm just interested in that because right. uh, it, it wasn't because I expected something. It was just because I thought it was cool. So I did it and thought, hey, I'll just put this up because it's easy. And I'd do the video, and I'd put that on the message boards and things like the other teams, and it and it and it got it got attention, right? Uh, doing that, and I, I remember one day, one of the, a member of the Tulsa World, who at the time was in charge of part of the department, walked by me at the rental center one day, and I was actually doing that. I was putting up a video, and in doing that, he goes, "You know, you need to teach me how to do that." And I said, "No, no, no. You need to either hire someone to learn how to do that." Or learn to do it yourself because this is the future. And he, eh, he goes, no, I don't think we want to deal with video. And he walked away. Well, at, at which point I went, you know, I think to myself, this is going to happen. You can either be out front or you can not. And many newspapers, yeah. unfortunately, got a little arrogant. The old never start a fight with a man who buys ink by the barrel statement, <laughs> right? And it, while it's still true, 
or can be true with internet sites and with bloggers and vloggers and all those kinds of things and with YouTube channel. YouTube is the second most used search engine in the world after Google. Oh, YouTube yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you talk about those things, you realize you better come into this era. And yeah. that's what some that's something that they had not done. Yeah. And unfortunately, when that happened, you kind of worried. And so I was so happy to see the sellout crowd come along. The people who went there are ridiculously qualified and talented and Definitely. so really, you know, the Jennies of the world and, you know, the Barry Trammells, I could not have more respect for those. And for Garen, who I've always thought was a hell of a writer and a good broadcaster back when he was in radio, then that's well-deserved, too. All that to say congratulations to both those guys. Now for a second to Jason Kelsey. You know, it's one thing, when offensive linemen retire, there generally isn't a great hue and cry. Mm-hmm. Guy will step down from the NFL who had a hell of a career like Jerry Ostrowski or like David Alexander, Gene Barrett, our friend who played here, Steve August, our plan, all those guys who played in this area, played at Tulsa actually and had NFL careers, really good NFL careers. When they stepped down, there wasn't the Emmett Smith, Detroit Aikman, and you understand why. Right. But today in Philadelphia, and yesterday, honestly, in Philadelphia, that's what it was like. If you looked at any Philadelphia media yesterday or watched anything yesterday, it was about Jason Kelsey, the heart and soul of that offensive line, the guy behind the tush push or the brotherly shove, the dude who cleared room time and time again for Jalen Hurts to get those three-inch touchdowns. To say he's going to retire, he got, and I think well-deservedly, got that kind of attention yesterday. Yeah, he, uh, he's he been through multiple eras for Philadelphia, right? So to be able to be there for 13 seasons, he's the only center since the 1970 merger to have a Super Bowl and be a, an all-pro six times. Um, you know, just the personality that he's been with him and his brother. Like, he's he's become just uh, uh, something bigger than your normal NFL player, I no think. Doubt. Uh, he's, he's kind of taken it to a new level about what we see as some of these pro athletes. He's just an all-around guy, I think, in every facet of life. I think, to me, the bigger, you know, he's a hell of a player. Guys are. Sure. He's the city. When Anthony Munoz yeah. retired, the city of Cincinnati was in a funk for a week. He's an offensive tackle. Happens to be the best offensive lineman I've ever seen in my life. But he was an offensive lineman. But he was the face of that organization. Yeah, Kenny Anderson was there. They had other great players. They were in playoff games, you know, that kind of stuff. He played, I think he played with Boomer, too. Um, so, I mean, there were guys there who were the, you know, the uh, the stars. But Anthony Munoz was that team. Mm-hmm. Now, there are a lot of stars in Philadelphia. But I would go as far as to say Jason Kelsey's the face of that team. Yeah. You know, the the Christmas album and the commercials they do. You've seen the commercial, the Tide, I think it's the Tide commercial? Yes, the Tide they, commercial. They come yep. crawling out of the laundry, <laughs> right? Those kinds of things. The podcast he has with his brother, you know, when the two of them showed up at that beer drinking contest, you know, and, and he's just out there with the fans, mm-hmm. you know, and he's knocking, he's slamming beers. You know, that the guy is just the city. You know, and sometimes players play in a city and then they go off to their islands. Mm. And I don't know if, if he lives in Philadelphia but you would look at him and you would swear he does. Yeah. You would swear he was born and raised on, you know, on South Street and he was going and he was at every hockey game and he was at every basketball. You, you would just swear the guy is a Philadelphia guy. He just, he just, he bubbles it. When you look at his rank on Pro Football Focus, when it comes to overall playing, he's the number five overall center. By the way, his percentage his, or his, his grade, the exact same grade as Creed Humphrey. Gosh, and he's 36, uh-huh. and Creed is 
24, 25? Yeah, well, look, hey, Creed's a fantastic player, but Jason Kelsey's numbers yeah, but, the but same. Young, young right? and getting into his prime, right? Whereas yep. Kelsey's been at this for 13 years and yep. has still kept that consistency. 13 you know? years being battled in the middle like that. Yeah. Who do you think the four centers in front of him are? That's an unfair question because you don't know I me. Mean, nobody <laughs> knows who centers are. Uh, pardon me, all you centers. I apologize. Number one, Connor Williams of Miami. His overall grade, 86.5. Number two, Frank Ragnow from Detroit. Another one of the reasons that offensive line is so good in Detroit at eighty six one, number three Drew Dahlman from Atlanta, at eighty two three. Number four Eric McCoy of New Orleans at a seventy nine four, and then Jason Kelsey and Creed Humphrey at seventy eight eight. Both those guys at uh, at five and six, but if you will, you know, really tied. Pardon me, for, tied for number five. Then number seven Tyler Linderbaum from uh, Baltimore at seventy eight three, Ryan Kelly from Indianapolis at seventy seven two, Andre James from Las Vegas. At seventy four six, and Lloyd Cushenberry the third mm-hmm. from Denver at seventy three three. You'll notice that. Uh, let's see. Oh, let's see. The number one center Miami playoffs. Number two center Detroit playoffs. Number three center Atlanta no playoffs. Number four center New Orleans no playoffs. Number five center Philadelphia playoffs. Number five center Creed Humphrey playoffs. Number seven Linderbaum, Baltimore playoffs. There's a correlation here. Good offensive yeah. lines lead you to the playoffs. And I just couldn't say enough about Jason Kelsey and then the video of him crying on the sidelines. If you think for a second, anytime all of us believe, and by the way, you're listening to the Blitz 1170, he's Bryce, I'm Rick. You're, you, you think about NFL players, and we, we say it's all a business, and it is. And we say college football is becoming that way, and it is. It's a business. But you see a grown man cry because he's not going to be in a locker room. Yeah, They're still kids on the inside. They play this game with the joy of a child most of the time. It's why they do it. Yeah, they make a lot of money, but they love being there. They love playing. They love being in the locker room. They love the guys, the interaction. That The number of guys I've heard say, I don't really miss the game. I miss the guys. Mm-hmm. And you know that's what he's sitting there. He's 13 years of those memories inside that helmet bouncing around as he's yeah. standing there on the sidelines. I've it's a moment where you're like you feel a little bit bad for him, but you're so at the same time there's just this pride in a guy mm-hmm. who did it the right way, hung in there, represented a city, and he at the right time can take his step away. Because it goes beyond, I think it goes beyond those 13 years, and you think about oh, yeah. what he's done, you know, and that camaraderie with his teammates since childhood. You know, when was the last time that he spent a fall not having to worry about st- strapping up a helmet and everything? Yeah. I mean. I think that's what we sometimes forget about, too, is it's beyond just, oh, well, their NFL career is over. It's like it's their whole life, really. And I'm sure, absolutely sure, that there's going to be a time when he's going to wake up and not have to go to treatment and be sore and jump in the (laughs) ice bath. Because I got I mean, Mondays as an NFL player has got to be hell. Yeah. Right, that kind of thing, and he'll think to himself, "Boy, was this the right decision?" You know, but won't, uh, won't feel as sore picking up his little girls anymore, right? Like, just get to be a dad again. All right, I'll ask you because I, I know you. You know, you you were you played multiple sports. Mm-hmm. When did you stop missing it? When that season began? Ooh, I think like summer of 2017, and realizing that I I didn't have to get up at five in the morning to do like sprints and everything for my whole summer was probably when I first thought about it. But did then, you miss it, though? A, a, a little bit. And then, of course, once August came around, I did. I would say probably that first full season just felt weird. The first mm-hmm. full fall season away from it just felt weird, and then you kind of start to get in a groove where it's like, all right, you're in a new chapter of your life. Yeah, right. 
I will. I I admit there are times going into a fall. I mean, and I'm way removed from playing, obviously. And there is a time going into the fall when I still do. Yeah. I just want to get a ball and go out in the backyard and start throwing it around. Well, yeah. And I don't have that opportunity to do that very more. And mm-hmm. I love throwing footballs. I love throwing footballs. I just used to go out and just when I was when I was I was being raised by my grandparents in Tahlequah and lived on a farm by ourselves. And <laughs> I'm not saying this for oh. oh poor guy but i lived down there with them for on and off for five years i never had somebody come visit because you just don't do that mm-hmm. you're on a farm you got things to do you know you're working going to and from school doing those kinds of things i'd go out in the in the yard uh, or in the pasture and i'd just throw passes to myself i'd literally mm-hmm. just throw it up as high as i could and then run over to it and of course many it. times throw it too far and didn't be stupid and fall in the cow <laughs> patty which i did multiple times oh. uh oh yeah oh that happened on that happened more than once uh because you can't look down there when you're looking up right trying yeah. to get a ball and so I just love to doing that, and I miss doing that. You know, the axe throwing is a thing. Why don't we bring football throwing back? Yeah. You know, much like you do at an arcade, you just get those big target nets, you know, like guys mm-hmm. throw, and you just go rent You go rent time in a football throwing thing, and you just toss the ball. We got a basketball one out here. Why, let's, let's get another thing for well, football. And I know you can do that free, mm-hmm. but you have to have somebody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I mean, if you're not, if you're if you're busy in the middle of the day, whatever, you can just go to this place. You throw the balls; they come rolling back automatically, kind of like in bowling. And then you just stand there and just toss them. Mm. What do you think? Sounds great. It'd go broke, wouldn't you? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Eight twelve on the Blitz eleven seventy. Another dumb idea for me. I'm Rick Corey. The smart guy in the other room is Bryce Hulse. Mm. Coming up in a few minutes, another smart guy, Tyler Cass from KTHV in Little Rock. He'll be our Arkansas reporter. They won last night in college basketball, which has not been the case lately. Who'd they beat? Who else? Texas A&M. At 809, I want to remind you, the folks at Overhead Door can be your best friend right now. And I mean your best friend, because if your overhead door for your business is not working or is not working well, every time it opens and every time it closes, it's costing you money. The more the thing is open or the more it leaks air, the more you're paying to try to warm up whatever it is that's in your warehouse or in your workspace. And that can cost you a ton of money. But the folks at Overhead Door, companies, the Overhead Door Company of Tulsa's commercial division can help. Here's what they can do. A, have a service contract with them. That way, when those little creaks and noises that, you know, you don't want to ignore because that becomes tomorrow's, oops, it's stuck. You don't want to ignore that, especially this time of year when buildings are adjusting and things like that. You know that they move. Look, you get them to come out and do all the service work they would normally do. Adjust it, make sure it's, it's working right, make sure it doesn't sound awful which can happen this time of year as well. And if the thing's leaking a lot of air, have them fix the seals, have them realign it, and you can even have them insulate your door. Now, if your door is just past its prime and you know it's time, then replace it. You're looking at nearly five decades of experience of doing just this, just commercial doors for people like the city of Tulsa, police, fire, Amazon, uh, the BOK, you name it. Those are all either their doors or their service contracts on purpose because those businesses know they must go up and down or you don't make a living. It's really simple to be involved. They can do anything you have, specialty doors, fire doors, higher speed doors, multiple steel doors, doesn't matter. You can look them up at overheaddoorcompanyoftulsa.com. Simply click on commercial. That's overheaddoorcompanyoftulsa.com. Click on commercial. The Blitz text line is always open. 918-262-5072. You can text us anything you want at any time. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. 
It wasn't a good night in college basketball or NBA for our state last night, starting with the Oklahoma State Cowboys. They were blown out by third-ranked Kansas Jayhawks, 90-66. to Bryce Thompson led the Pokes with 20 points and eclipsed the 1,000-point mark in his career, but it was just tough to outshoot the Jayhawks, who shot 62% from the field. OSU will be in Manhattan to take on Kansas State on Saturday. And in the NBA, the Oklahoma City Thunder lost to the LA Clippers last night, 128-117. to It was the Clippers' ninth win in the last 11th games. Former Thunder player Paul George scored a season-high 38 points, 18 points in the fourth quarter. For the Thunder, Jalen Williams scored 25. SGA and Lou Dort each added 19. That's the Winter World of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Holson, the Boots 1170 and streaming on the Boots 1170 app. This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Want to get in the game? Call us up at 918-879-1170. We want to hear from you. You could always do that. You could also text us here at the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line at 918-262-5072. Here in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studios, I'm Rick Corey along with Bryce Hall. Speaking of the Oilers, anytime they're home on Sunday, we do Sunday Fun Day. You can skate with the players on the ice after the game. Bring your own. You can rent skates there if you'd like. And make yourself a memory. Go skate with the Oilers after the game with the Blitz 1170. Bryce in the next room. I'm Rick Corey. We get a text here, 918-262-5072 from Gretchen, who says, you know who I'd miss most in the locker room? C.D. Lamb, hubba hubba <laughs> We all have our reasons, right? <laughs> oh, Gretchen. <laughs> Love how the hubba hubba just immediately makes. Oh, that's yeah. What she, well, she she added it. I mean, yeah, yeah. it wasn't me. I mean, it's it's yeah. written right there, and she, you know, I guess that's how you would spell that. All <laughs> right, coming up in a few minutes, Tyler Cass will talk a little insider with Arkansas. I thought this was interesting. Um, the Patriots got rid of a Belichick, but they want to keep some other Belichicks. Uh, I know we've got a couple of sons on the staff. Yeah, that's uh, reported that they're going to try and keep, as far as we know, the the Belichick sons. One is a uh, safeties coach. The other linebackers coach. You have or a de facto defensive coordinator is Steve Belichick, and then the yeah. safeties coach is Brian Belichick. Um, be a pretty good situation getting that there defensively. Statist- on st- defensive statistics, they've been really good for the past ten years um, consistently. So maybe a good choice for Mayo to keep the gang back together. But if but if Dad gets a job. What are then, the chances they stay? Now, you know, they may want to go make their own name. Right? Yeah. Uh, but if Dad gets a really nice paying position with the Falcons or whoever and decides, okay, you know, I want to hire them down here, I, I I think they'd probably be likely to go. I mean, I yeah, don't know. I, I, I could see it for sure. And, I mean, I think that they've proven, too, that obviously everyone immediately thinks, you know, a, a Nepo baby situation. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I think they've proven themselves enough. But, I mean – to be able to see them uh, stay in New England would be pretty cool. Well, it would be. I think it would it would help them solidify their own legacy, if you will. I yeah. mean, if you're going to learn defense, learn it from your dad because he's obviously as good as there is in it. So I think it'd be fun to see them stay too. But I thought that was that was interesting. Uh, and you know, nowadays we have all the the movement we're having. Guys like that will have head coaching opportunities either in college or professional yeah. football at some point. You would think. And you wonder when when they would want those opportunities too, but you don't know what's coming along at, at New England right now. It's such a mess. I mean, it's it's great that they had an immediate hire. It's great they had someone in mind. Will that fix the problem right away? Because in my mind, their biggest problem is Mac Jones isn't the answer. I think that's the biggest issue too. Is uh, trying to find a good fit there that you know 
it'd be interesting to see in this next class when you think about the Drake Mays of the world and, and then like Penix and the, or Knicks, the guys like that. I mean, you have to wonder too. We know what kind of a style Belichick. I mean, he was a defensive coach, but he's the head coach. So you still have an input on what's going to be happening offensively. Let's don't kid ourselves. And you're sticking with a defensive guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So what will his idea be offensively? Because they could retool the whole thing. I mean, you could throw convention out the window and you could go get someone. I mean, Bo Nix is a passer, but he's a guy who can move around and run around. They haven't had anybody back there. I mean, they tried Malik and that just didn't work out. They they haven't had anybody back there who was anything short of a statue since before Brady. Yeah. And even if you go back before that, I mean, they're, most of the guys they had there playing were, you know, the tall, thin, if you will, but you so know, the, the Bledsoe's, <laughs> right, guys like that who just stood and looked and, you know, and threw balls. They were more like Matt Ryan or more like Roethlisberger. So do they completely retool? Because that's been decades of New yeah. England being dropped back five-step, six-four guy who would fire it downfield. Yeah, and you tried the, something a little bit different with Cam Newton, but of course, when you look at that certain situation of Cam Newton it being was at Cam a, Newton. A, a weird, yeah, weird point in his career towards the end. It, by weird point, you mean he still thought he could play and the rest of us <laughs> knew he, he couldn't? <laughs> yeah, one of those. And there's still, I mean, he still, I saw some social media video for him the other day where it's like, you know, I go out and start today. Look, you've been over, you know, since that Super Bowl when Von Miller mm-hmm. just helped put you in your place. Yeah. You know, and that then that Denver defense since that Super Bowl, he has not been the same. He is a lot like, and stay with me here. <laughs> He's a lot like Baker Mayfield in that there was a point with Baker Mayfield that we were thinking about where I don't know if he could be a backup on a team. He would have he has to be the starter because of the personality, because of of the level of attention that he brings, and obviously he's taken a well, big time advantage of it in Tampa Bay and done a really good mm-hmm. job. Cam Newton is in that similar position where he is such a big personality and, and all the eyes go to him and think about any time he has an opportunity to get on a team, it, all the attention goes to that. Mm-hmm. You can't have him on the bench if he's in a bad situation because it's just constant pressure. Anytime the guy in front of him does bad, when is Cam Newton going to come in? And when, mm-hmm. you know, it brings an odd uh, feel, I think, from an attention standpoint. Well, when he's team. trying to get the attention. You know, yeah. and he does. That is his kind of his mo is trying to draw as much attention and much of the oxygen in the room as he can to himself. And that's not a good situation in a clubhouse. That creates creates clubhouse problems. And I, I heard the guys before us, the two pros and a cup of Joe show, talking about they think that's one of the problems in Philly. They believe the clubhouse is divided. Now we all saw the the Dallas Godert video, or I think you probably saw Dallas Godert video, and he goes up and he's yammering at. Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts responds yeah. to him in that very Jalen Hurts kind of non, you know, he's zero yeah. emotion on his face. And Goddard turns and walks off. It does appear, which, you know, kind of thought that that group was as together as a group could be last year anyway. Mm-hmm. And now it kind of feels like there may be fractures in there. Now, I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. But it sure seems like that. And we've seen, you know, there's the Peyton Manning screaming at Jeff Saturday, but we know they were friends and they were, you right. know, they were in a fight in one game because things weren't going well. Different different contexts. Yeah, right? for the most part. But is that a problem in Philadelphia? I mean, is Nick Sirianni a guy who won, what, 11 regular season games and has already been to a Super Bowl? Is he already in trouble because they don't think he's controlling the culture, if you will? I think I think that's been a lot of pressure on him, right? Because when you've lost six of your last seven, I think it's hard to keep uh, everything intertwined. It's I think it's hard to keep guys on on a good mindset with each other. 
Here's a question, and you know, I talk many times about the, the a, a football team, or really any sports franchise, takes on the personality of its head coach in one way or another. It does. If a coach is way too laid back, teams will be way too laid back. If a coach is way too fired up, they'll be way – it just happens. Your quarterback is so much the face of a franchise, if you will. And Jalen Hurts had such a good year last year. But he is such an impassive guy. Now, they tell you he shows up first, he leaves last, he's a hard worker, he's a good teammate, but he's he's a guy who doesn't ever show emotion. Right. And you don't I mean, if he's that way in the locker room, there will be people who believe that's standoffish. When it's mm-hmm. just maybe his personality. I wonder if not having a face like that, I mean, we saw Brady on the sidelines in not just encouraging, but ripping into guys. Yeah. You know, we saw Manning on the sidelines ripping into guys. We've seen quarterbacks go up and down the line slapping hands or talking to guys, and you don't see that from Jalen Hurts. He runs over and he sits down and he puts on the cap and he gets out the, you know, and he starts looking. Now, I'm not beating up on Jalen Hurts. I'm simply asking, and you can respond at 918-262-5072. Is that bad for a football team? Do you need someone more like Baker Mayfield, someone who's more likely to be effusive, and and emotional, and I don't mean emotional from a bad standpoint, but the the kind who kind of you know you can say you lead by showing up early and leaving late, but if you yeah. don't ever talk to anybody, you're not a leader. You're just quiet. This guy doesn't like us. <laughs> I don't have any idea whether or not it's a problem. I just you know you hear them say, and you know Brady Quinn and Arrington guys like that, they still have friends in the game. Yeah, and they say, well, the problem's in the locker room. Does it come from that? Because we talked about, you know, that's no longer the coach's responsibility. I, I think even I think even you've mentioned that, how if you have a guy that can take that away away from having to be the coach that's showing all this different mm-hmm. emotion and, and showing this different attitude towards guys, that if you have a player that can kind of take off some of that brunt on the coach, then that can certainly help. When you have a coach and your, your main leader, your captain, that are kind of on that same wavelength, mm-hmm. then I can see how that can cause some issues. Well, I mean, you know, and, and it seems like Sirianni seems like he's a pretty outgoing guy, and it seems like he's mm-hmm. one of these guys. I mean, he's you know, he kind of looks Philadelphia as well, right? Yeah. And I, I'm not saying Jalen's a problem. I'm just saying I wonder if it's become an issue because when it's going mm-hmm. well, that's fine. But then when it's not going well, yeah. you just look how at do you that, react? Yeah, you look at that differently than you would when things are you know, when you've won six of seven. Yeah, dude can be quiet. <laughs> Bull Durham. Okay, we if find our win, way back. Here. If you win twenty in the show, you can let fungus grow in your shower shoes, and you're eclectic. Mm-hmm. Until then, you're a slob, right? So if you're six, if you've won six of seven, you can be this way, and you're this iconic, quiet guy who goes out and performs. Yeah. If you lose six of seven, you're this in a shell guy who don't want to talk to who doesn't want to talk to your teammates. <laughs> I don't know if it's a problem. I'm just asking if you think it is. I I, I think it's very well could be. I think it very well could be because, again, like you said, when things are going well, it's a lot easier to do this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But when you're losing six of seven and you're trying to see how exactly you can react and it seems like there's a lot of friction going on, mm-hmm. then it's easy to look back at that as a problem. Well, now now we'll see whether Sirianni's on the hot seat or not as well. It's 8.30 on the Blitz 1170. He is Bryce Hulse. I'm Rick Corey. You, welcome to weigh in. I'd love to hear from you because this same thing can happen at your work. Mm-hmm. I mean, the people are in charge of your business depending on the day and the time and those kinds of things. Is it harder sometimes when the perceived, whether it's perceived or not, leader is distant? 
is that make it harder to have that team atmosphere? 918-262-5072. That's the number to call. Pardon me. The, uh, me- the medicine's still messing with me. Coming back in just a moment, we're going to be talking to Tyler Cass, our Arkansas insider from KTHV in Little Rock. Yes. They won a basketball game last night. How about that? Eric Musselman can rip off the shirt again. Back next here on The Blitz. The Blitz is broadcasting in HD on your FM dial. Turn your HD-equipped radio to 106.9 KHTT HD2. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on The Blitz 1170 and streaming on The Blitz 1170 app. The 15th-ranked Oklahoma Sooners are hosting the West Virginia Mountaineers tonight at the Lloyd Noble Center. Tip-off is at 7 o'clock. Both teams are 1-2 and two in conference play. The Tulsa Golden Hurricane are back in action tonight as they'll be looking for their first conference win as they host UTSA at the Reynolds Center. Tip-off is at 7 o'clock with a 6.30 pregame over on Big Country 99.5. And the ORU Golden Eagles look to get back on track as they're in North Dakota to face on the Fighting Hawks. Tip-off for that one is at 7. And the Oklahoma City Thunder lost the L.A. Clippers last night, 128-117. It was the Clippers' ninth win in the last 11 games. Former Thunder player Paul George scored a season-high 38 points, 18 of those in the fourth quarter. For the Thunder, Jalen Williams scored 25. SGA and Lou Dort each added 19. That's the Winter World of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Holson, the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. The Blitz 1170 weather provided by Community Care, your locally owned health plan. Blitzing up your mornings. This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Want to get in the game? You can always join in by texting us at 918-262-5072. It's our Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line. You are also welcome to hit that all the time. We're in the Tulsa Oilers studio reminding you that anytime they are home and you buy some you know, inexpensive seats, if you will, up high, we do what we call a Blitz Upgrade. We'll call some of those seat numbers during the game and take you right down and put you by the action. It's the upgrade, the Blitz Upgrade from the Oilers and the Blitz 1170. Here at 836, here's a guy who's smiling, finally has something good to talk about. It is Tyler Cass from KTHV in Little Rock, our Arkansas insider. How about that? You got a win, and who else? You beat my Aggies. Yeah, look at that. What what a concept. Arkansas basketball winning an SEC game. Uh, they made it far, far more dramatic than it needed to be. It really should have been. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if, if they are, do happen to be at least, you know, on the committee's radar – that team sheet's just going to say W. It's not going to say yep. blew a 20-point lead and mm-hmm. required a last-second shot to win. <laughs> You're right about that. Now, when you look at numbers in this one, neither team shot well. Neither team shot from three points. As a matter of fact, the A&M shot dreadfully. But Arkansas went to the free-throw line 40 times last night, obviously more aggressive to the hoop. Yeah, I mean, and the, the numbers are a little weird in this one, which I, I think some of that is just inherent in a Texas A&M basketball game. Uh, especially this year, because that's what this A&M team is. I mean, they are, well, I, I think they are the worst three-point shooting team in the conference, mm-hmm. but then they, they rebound all those misses. That's why, I mean, they they shot the ball, I want to say, like between 20 and 25 more times in Arkansas because you, you're just not going to keep them off the glass entirely. Um, but, yeah, like you said, the Razorbacks, the second half uh, – Tremont Mark was the only player to to hit a shot from the field for the Hogs for the first almost 11 minutes of game action in the second half uh, and actually the last four minutes of the first half too. Uh, So it was almost 15 minutes of game time there in a row where Tremont Mark was the only guy who could hit a field goal. And the rest of the team kind of realized that 
And if Mark wasn't the one taking the shot, everyone else was, well, let's just get to the basket and and maybe get a foul. So, I mean, it it was pretty pitiful shooting performance from both teams. And they each each pretty much had, had one guy. Mark for the Razorbacks, Wade Taylor for the Aggies. I mean, he dropped, uh, what, 41 points, mm-hmm. but did it uh, a lot less efficient shooting than Mark, who got like 20 from the free throw line. Yeah, as a matter of fact, A&M was 24 of 74, Arkansas 20 of 51, A&M 6 of 29 from three, 6 of 29, Arkansas 7 of 19, but at the free throw line, outscored them 31-23. That's the difference, the eight points there at the free throw line. And to your point on rebounds, 47 to 35, A&M won the boards. Get this. 19 to 3 offensive rebounds AM. You read me those two stats, I would swear to you they won the basketball game. Yeah, and I think, I mean, some of it uh, was by design. Uh, it was almost like Muss was not conceding the offensive glass, mm-hmm. but conceding the fact that they were going to be out rebounded there. Because again, that's what AM does. Mm-hmm. And all right, what can we do in other facets of the game? And I, I think it was. Uh, you know, like to get get to the free throw line mm-hmm. and just make sure they shoot how they shoot. I mean, what did you say? Uh, they they finished with six made three pointers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember they either had at halftime that was either zero or one, not not more than that. So they actually kind of turned it on a little in the second half, and that's part of how that comeback happened. Um, but I mean, look, all in all, I'm struggling to take too much positive away from this game just because I think a lot of it had to do with opponent. Not that A&M is bad, but A&M is bad at very specific things yes. that worked in the Razorback advantage yesterday. And again, the, the game plan was very Aggie-based. I mean, Chandler Lawson in the starting lineup is not something I think you're going to see a lot from Arkansas, but you saw that yesterday. and It worked out. I mean, he only had two points, but in that first ten minutes there when he was on the floor, I think he had like four or five rebounds, four assists. So, again, it was a very specific game plan, a weird one. It's always weird when they have the, the winter weather games up in Fayetteville yeah. where everyone's kind of walking to the game. They made it so that it was $10 at the door to get in if you could get through the ice and snow. And then after the first media timeout, there was no more assigned seats. So you had to either find your seat if you wanted your assigned seat in the first four minutes. After that, everyone was allowed to move down and sit wherever they wanted. So, you know, people get a little feisty in those games. You know, kudos to that, though, because not enough schools will do that. Enough of them, when there's nobody in the arena, will, by God, you you bought a ticket up high, you're staying up high. That's silly. It looks bad on television. Give them the opportunity. Now, I understand why the people down low who paid for those tickets might be a little upset when Jethro, their neighbor, <laughs> comes down and sits next to them. You know, uh, the Clampets are down there. And I, I think I get that. But I think that's kudos to the Arkansas Razorbacks for doing that. And I agree, those games, when you walk in the arena early and you might as well be the only one in there because you kind of kind of are, it does feel really odd. Yeah, and I mean, look, I, I I don't think the policy applied to uh, actual floor seats, um, though that would have been an interesting, I guess, mad dash there at the, uh, the under-16 timeout. But, yeah, I mean, especially looking better on TV, and I wasn't up there. I was back in Little Rock because, I mean, we're not getting on the, the highway when everything's frozen like that. And uh, it, it looked good. It sounded good. And mm-hmm. no one is more cognizant of that in the SEC, maybe college basketball, than Eric Musselman. He, he's all about perception. Yeah. 
I think that definitely played a role. They did play good defense last night, had nine blocks, only turned it over eight times. All right, so you already kind of answered this, but I'm going to ask anyway. And again, we're talking to Tyler Cass, our Arkansas insider from KTHV in Little Rock, talk right now about basketball. You, you said you don't want to take too much from this, but you found a way, you won, even if it was a very specific game plan against a very specific team. Who cares? You did. You're convinced it doesn't mean much more? No, I mean, look, it's, you know, the very old cliche of, you know, you just got to see the ball go go through the net. You know, <laughs> yeah. the guy's, a guy's not shooting well, even if it's a free throw. And, again, I'm, I, that's a little overstating. You know, I mean, this is a Texas team that just beat Kentucky. It's not like this was nobody. Uh, it's not like this was Vanderbilt. But I think just learning how to win and then figuring some things out, even though, like I said, it was a, a rotation that especially at first was very much based on the, the specific tendencies of Texas A&M, there were still some, some bigger overall things. I mean, Tremont Mark, we've seen flashes under Selvin. I mean, he, he has been, for most of the games that he's played, the, the, the team's leading scorer when he gets the minutes. And last night he was the only scorer for large, large swaths of the game. And it kind of feels like that's going to have to be the rest of the way. And then the other interesting flip side of that was the guys who didn't play at all. I mean, Caliph Battle was someone who early on looked like he could be a go-to guy for this team. But I think what Must is starting to kind of go towards is, hey, maybe I overdid it in the portal on, you know, number one guys, guys who on their smaller team, they're on, you know, power five or power six for basketball team, we're the leading scorer, we're the guy, and then they all get together at Arkansas and doesn't mesh because everyone's trying to be the guy. Um, and I think Caleb Battle might be, you know, one, one of those players where he kind of needs the ball in his hand, kind of needs to be the one the offense is going to go through and is taking all the shots. And Tremont Marks the same kind of player, and if Tremont Marks the one who's more capable of doing that in the SEC, then those minutes are going to dry up for, uh, for the other guys. And Last night it worked. Uh, going forward against, you know, perhaps some more well-rounded teams. I'm not sure if it does, but I, I think it, it's it's going to be a very case-by-case basis with this team. And I, I don't think they ever truly settle on a starting five. A couple more minutes here with Tyler Cass, our Arkansas insider. If you like to ask a question about what's happening over in Hogland, you can at nine one eight two six two five zero seven two at eight forty four. Rick Corey and that's Bryce Hulse. Tyler, you mentioned Caleb Battle and how you know he hasn't had as much production recently. I used to look at this Arkansas team as as one that really needed to you know have a lot of success from their bench, and that wasn't really the case against Texas A&M. Do you think it's uh, relieving in a way to see that they can win in situations like that where there isn't that much production? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think going into this season, there was so much talk about, oh, this is the deepest team that Eric Musselman's had at Arkansas. Uh, he's always been a, a kind of short short bench guy. He usually settles on seven guys about who are going to see most of the playing time, and that's about it. But it was always kind of by necessity. It felt like and this year it was, oh, man, how, how are they going to have enough minutes for all these guys? But and I think Musk kind of bought into that a little bit too with, with all the different rotations he was trying. But then last night he even said it in the postgame. Um, when specifically when asked about battle not playing was he said yeah that was a coach's decision um, I, I'm you know shortened it down to seven eight guys who are out there and uh, 
but he, but he also said that doesn't mean it's going to be the same seven, eight guys in the next game. So I, I think really, I mean, a big part last night was Tremont Mark was on. No one else was. They realized that. They leaned into it. And, and everything else around him just became complimentary. But I do think that Muss is kind of going to revert back to the last couple years. And we'll see seven to eight guys get real minutes every game. And then the only way anyone else gets in is mop-up duty. I do think that those two, three guys off the bench are going to rotate a bit more based on opponent. But it's not going to be, you know, eight to nine, ten guys cycling in and out throughout a game. I love hearing your little one in the background, by the way. You talk about sports in the kitchen table. That's what we're doing here. All right, before we leave uh, the uh, Hogland area, tell us what's that. You hear anything out of the football office at all? No, I mean, they, they're fully staffed up now. They, they made things official with Ronnie Fouch, wide receiver coach, uh, coming out of Missouri State. Like I said, you know, Petrino guy. Coach under Petrino already, and they're clearly letting Bobby call the shots. Uh, you know, we're we're kind of in between portals right now, so mm-hmm. everything's just kind of under wraps. And I, I hope they weren't out there practicing in the last few days. Mm-hmm. Look, I know this about about Arkansas. If it's if it's bad enough in Little Rock where I can't turn my sink on right now because the pipes froze overnight, <laughs> I swear I was dripping on. I don't know what happened. Then Fayetteville's five times worse, if not more. So. Mm-hmm. Everything's kind of under freeze up there, which is wild because yesterday marked one month till baseball season. But Gosh. somehow, somehow the the baseball gods always come through. Opening weekend in Fayetteville tends to be gorgeous. Then it gets cold and miserable, and there's nothing worse than shooting a Tuesday night baseball game for eight innings in the cold. But there's hope on the horizon. Yeah, you gotta you gotta think so. Um, all right, so we know baseball is going to be pretty good, no doubt. Softball is going to be pretty good. Oklahoma preseason softball number one yesterday. What is it in coming up in the spring you're most looking forward to, other than say spring football? <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I am a baseball guy. I, I I grew up in LA, going to UCLA games um, when they were really good, despite the fact that they play in the smallest stadium that you could ever imagine that seats less than 1500 people and there's like a bird sanctuary thing out in the outfield it's a really interesting place to watch high level college baseball so so bomb walker for me is just it's it's amazing i don't know if you guys have ever been out there for a game i've been on campus at ucla but i've never seen that facility oh no bomb walkers arkansas that's what i'm saying oh okay the ucla yeah you know no the ucla baseball field is not on campus uh, similar to how the Rose Bowl right. is 45 minutes away, um, the the baseball stadium, it's only it's about 15 minutes from campus. It's in the back of a mm-hmm. VA parking lot. It's really weird how they just kind of shoved. It. I mean, this is a program that wins national championships. Yeah, yeah. No, bomb, the bomb for for Arkansas is is a jewel. Yes, it's, yeah. It's it's amazing. It's uh, it, they they pack it out. I mean, even midweek games, you're getting six, seven thousand. SEC weekend with 12,000, 13,000 there. It's great. Um, and I, I love those crowds. And then softball, too. It's, it's been really cool to watch because in my, you know, six going on seven years here now, that's really been the growth of Arkansas softball um, under Courtney Dyfel. I mean, I, I've got to see their first time hosting a regional, then their first time winning a regional, then their first time hosting a super. Uh, and Bogle Park, where they play, is great, but they're going to have to figure out some way to expand it here pretty soon uh, at the rate they're going because they're, they're not going – 
backwards at all. They they just keep getting better and better. Yeah, well, you have to come over and take a look at Love Field because they are they are making really good progress on Oklahoma's new softball stadium. So well deserved for Patty and her team as well. Well, Tyler, look, you go take care of that little one. Thank you for the visit, and let's uh, let's hope Musk can keep him going. Yeah, Elliot's over here just real excited about the Razorback win. It was past his bedtime last night, so right now is the first he's hearing about it. There you go. All right, it's 8.50 on the Blitz 1170. That's our Arkansas insider, Tyler Kess. I'm Rick Corey. That is Bryce Hulls in the next room. Before we take this break, I want to remind you about Triad Eye Institute and their $3,600 LASIK special because you are running out of time. I've told you this before because we thought December was going to be the last month, but they got so far behind, and there were so many people who wanted to do it but couldn't schedule because of holidays, they said, you know what, we're just going to go on into January. So they did, but I have been told this is it. This is the last month. The $3,600 special ends at the end of January. February 1, Lacey costs more. Now, I'm sure there will be specials during the year. Don't have any idea how much they'll be. I know this. This is the least amount you will ever pay for LASIK at Triad. $3,600 is as cheap as it's going to get. I also know... They have 0% financing available. You'd have to ask to qualify. And you also have a free opportunity to make sure LASIK is the surgery you need to correct your vision. I got to tell you, in all the things I've ever done for myself, my eye surgery was the best. There's nothing like being able to see again, being able to read the small print, being able to read the small uh, print on my phone or on my computer right here where I'm looking down at the temperature, 18 whole degrees. But that's that little tiny print at the bottom. I used to have to have reading glasses to read. And then that was irritating because you have to look over the top of them and you look like Ben Franklin, you know, because then you're trying to read the big, oh, it was awful. I hated it. And there was a time when, all right, fine, now I need something to read on the highway. Oh, I hated that. So I went and had refractive lens exchanged because that's what I needed at Triad. And it corrected my vision. And for five years, I haven't worn contacts or glasses and I'll never have to. Never, ever. It's going to be this way forever. I want you to experience what it's like to be able to see again. So get the free screening in Tulsa, Bartlesville, Muskogee, Pryor, Claremore, McAllister, uh, any of those, Grove, any of those places. Get the free screening. If it works and you get, you know, if that's what you need, and then if you can qualify for that 0% financing, all you have to do is make the decision to say yes. And then Dr. Ryan Conley, a fellowship-trained cornea expert, will change your life. He did mine. You want to call 918-252-2020. It's 918-252-2020 so you can see more of your 2024 with Triad Eye Institute. The Blitz 1170 stream is brought to you by Duck Creek Casino, your hometown casino. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. 